How's everybody doing? My name is Sina Palavon. Welcome to episode number 53 of the Talk Too Much podcast. My guest for the week was Miss Carson Daly. If many of you don't know, Miss Carson Daly is the chief experience officer for 888 The New World, the new NFT marketplace launching designed and developed by Crypto888. Um, for those of you that don't know, Crypto888 is one of the biggest art collectors in the space, one of the biggest figures in the space. And, you know, you hear throughout this episode, Miss Carson constantly refers to him as graceful. Uh, and you'll see why if you check out his social media, who he is, his profile, he has genuine intentions for the space. And I think that he actually executed upon them with 888 The New World. Now, what did I do? Why did I do this uh, episode? Because I know there's a lot of hype around Crypto 888 and 888 The New World. But I know some people are don't know what it is yet, are confused. It hasn't launched yet. They're taking their time. They're making sure it's great. And they're making sure it's an NFT marketplace that will last for generations, that will actually have an impact in the community. Their goal through this marketplace is to actually create a, a platform that gives back and empowers the artists. This marketplace is governed and ran by artists. Um, if you look through who owns and, and sponsors and supports Crypto 888's 888, the new platform, let's look down the list. Guys like Fawocious, RTFKT Studios, <clears throat> you got Pac, you got fuck render so these are big names across the industry these aren't just small names these are the biggest names when this marketplace drops ladies and gentlemen everyone will know when you look at the twitter at their website at, at the promotions that they've been doing you know this is truly going to be a modernized a futuristic a, a metaverse integrated whatever you want to think of it's going to be a marketplace for the artist that is decentralized and that adapts with the times. That's the biggest thing that they even said. They said, we're not going to judge ourselves on how we launch. You know, we've been pre preparing very hard for the launch and we have faith in our launch. We're going to judge ourselves by how we adapt to the market and the trends. And that right there is key. And that right there is a, is a selling point for all of you considering using this platform, applying to this platform, getting ready for its launch. This is a team that has a long-term vision. This is a team that wants to adapt with the tides. You know, you hear Miss Carson, she's obsessed with the metaverse. So you're going to hear a lot of uh, metaverse talk. You're going to find out what 888 The New World is. You're going to hear more about Crypto 888 and about Miss Carson's journey to get here. Miss Carson has had quite the journey to get to where she was and how she met Crypto 888. And basically, this episode contains all of that. I wanted for all of you to, that are tuning in to really get a full grasp of what 888 The New World is. I want you guys leaving this episode, you know, hyped up for this platform, following Crypto 888, following Miss Carson Daly, and really, really believing in, in the, well, you don't have to, but believe in their movement. Because I, I think that personally, this is one of the most genuine movements in the space. And I think they're executing upon that vision. And I'm very excited, as many of you are, to see what exactly 888 The New World actually is when it comes out. Let's get into the episode, my friends. How are you, Miss Carson? Do you hear me? Yes, I can. Hang on. Can you see me? Yes, ma'am. How are you? Nice to meet you. It's nice to finally meet you. Thank you for doing this with me. Yeah, I'm so excited. Is my audio okay or should I put on my AirPods? 
Um, right now it's good, but I do think AirPods are for sure. But you, it's up to you. Um, I was like walking by like microphones the other day, and I was like, I feel like I should just get one. But I honestly was thinking about that about AirPods. I would say thank you for uh, the tweet about talk too much. That was actually kind of funny. Um, you're actually <laughs> the first get- guest to say that. I was waiting for a guest to say that. I love but- it. Oh, fuck. I'm going to get this started, Miss Carson. Thank you so much for uh, doing this with me. If you could please introduce yourself to my audience, because I originally connected with you because I really, if for my audience that doesn't know, your story is kind of fascinating how you got into crypto. I actually heard your podcast with NFT Nick, you know, did my research a little bit, you know, but uh, I really wanted to also cover um, Crypto 888's uh, 888 The New World. I think that's one of the coolest concepts in the NFT space. And I don't think people really, some, some people don't really understand what it fully is. Yeah. I really want to cover it in depth for them in this episode. So I'm going to give the floor to you. If you could please introduce yourself and tell us what you do right now in the crypto space. Okay. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for having me. My name is Carson. Um, I go by Carson Daly. I am the chief experience officer at 888 The New World. Okay. And if you could please tell us, how, how did you get into crypto? What was the start of your journey before we get to 888 The New World? I want to t- tell my audience, how did you get into blockchain? Because I see you on Twitter always advocating about NFTs, JPEGs, and, and blockchain. And I'll be honest, this is I, this is what I want. I want to see more female representation in the space. I genuinely do. Okay. And you're one of the few females that is loud. You, Art Chick, there's a couple others. How did you get into blockchain? What's your story? Well, well uh, first of all, thank you for putting me on that list with Art Chick. She's so dope. Um So my story is, I I guess, kind of goes back like it it is like a lot of things were happening at like different intervals in my life. Um, First and foremost, like I've always been obsessed with pop culture and I've always been like a really obsessive kind of consumer of pop culture, even at a young age, because I'm from Vermont and didn't have a ton of like access to things that were cool. So I kind of based my identity around like what was happening in like J14 magazine and like 17 girl and teen Vogue. And I think from there, and I went on to study communication and mass media in college and I double majored in women's and gender studies. What college did you go to? I went to Castleton University. It's like a super small liberal arts college in Vermont. I basically had like the most thriving social life that anybody could have imagined. Like it was literally a movie. <laughs> it was so was it a college town? It was like that was the only thing that was there. It was oh, like yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, like yeah, I know exactly. So what like we would walk like five miles to go to a party. Like was on a Greek life. What? No, there was a frat, like a frat, but it was like not cool guy frat. (laughs) But but it was still like, did you still experience a great social life like while you were there, even without Greek life? Yeah, because I was always throwing parties. (laughs) Oh, see, that's what it is in college. huh? (laughs) So um, but in college, like because I was studying women's and gender studies, I started to put like my love and obsession of pop culture through this like lens of um, intersectional feminism. And I started to like recognize these like these patterns and systems of power and oppression that that are able to sustain and that continue to actually gain more power by marginalizing and kind of disenfranchising other people. So I've always had that like advocacy and that need for like, you know, I didn't know back then what it was called, but really now I understand that it's self-sovereignty. Like I've always advocated for self-sovereignty, which 
really for anybody that doesn't like fully grasp what that means yet. It's just denouncing any system of power over you. So um, then, you know, again, fast forward a little bit, but my first job at a college in 2018 was at a company called Super Plastic. And I always, like I said, from Vermont, and I was always like, oh, I'm going to have to leave Vermont. I'm going to move to LA, to New York, like make it somewhere big as like a big PR, like, you know, event marketing, like boss bitch, whatever. And just like wasn't feasible or realistic for me. And I actually got really lucky because this company that was like, seemed way too cool for Vermont was in Vermont. And even though I didn't really know anything about like collectible toys, um, I understood that what this company like had a vision to do was kind of create this Banksy-esque character. And, and what Super Plastic is now is really the first animated character universe to use social media as its primary distribution platform. So instead of going to Hollywood studios and like building that Marvel and like pitching your property or your characters like SpongeBob or whatever, you know, we were, um, we were telling those stories, essentially each social media post was a little episode and I was employee number three there really right after they had launched their first Kickstarter campaign. Um, They had just like put their website up and um, because of how early I was and because I understood what Paul Budnitz, the CEO's vision was, um, I really got to have a a very like integral role in developing these animated celebrities, Janky and Googiemon. And my like experience and my obsession with pop culture and social media gave me this like really important jumping off point. So to realize that in order to like fabricate or create this celebrityism, you know, we had to root these characters in the real world because of the like behavioral kind of patterns of people and how we use social media, especially something like TikTok. Like you're not always going to recognize that something is an animated character. If you're hearing this sound or seeing this trend take place, and then you're like, wait, what? Like, that's not Addison Ray. That's not Noah Beck. Like, like this is an animated character. That's really cool. So I became um, head of story and narrative, which essentially was like a, an executive producer for like each one of these little episodes. And I would pitch all their content and then oh. you know, oversee the animation team. So I got really involved in like really um, like built this vocabulary and understanding of animation and animation pipelines. And then I became obsessed with partnerships and brand collaborations because I really wanted to find a way to bring real human celebrities into this animated character universe and bring the animated characters into the real world. And what, again, like the same way I didn't really understand when I was talking about self-sovereignty, I didn't really understand that at that time in like 2019, I was talking about metaverse and I was talking about this like trans metaverse kind of um, like experience and transcendence and all of that. So that became, I became head of partnerships, uh, director of business development, and then um, locked in a ton of awesome deals like J Balvin, which they just announced. And that was like one of my, like, like that was one of my dreams. I, I assume. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, Rico Nasty, Steve Aoki. Oh, and whoa. Stuff. Yeah. And um, then I got super plastic characters into Fortnite and I got connected with Gucci and I was like, this is so fucking sick. And Can I ask you a question. Sorry yeah. to interrupt. And I, I really want to like, remember this part because my audience, I need people to understand. So you're basically a hustler. So, how yeah. did you pull these deals together? Because I'm kind of in a, I'll, I'll say this, I'm in a similar situation where I, I work for a, 
I'm starting to work for an NFT uh, development agency as a project manager. And I'm trying to like attack collections and brands, not attack, but like get them to form connections. Can you please tell my audience? Cause people don't understand that is, that is literally the most important skill set. How do you reach out to people and make these connections? Okay. So this is a really like amazing question. And I always feel like I'm doxing myself because people like expect something crazy, but one, like Steve Aoki happened because I went to complex con in 2019, um, by myself, but like representing super plastic, I had a backpack full of toys and I just walked up to everybody. And I knew that Steve Aoki like loved toys. And I really just like had to like shed any like sense of fear or lack of confidence and just be like, I know you love toys. We make toys. I just want to give you this. And he was like, Whoa, can you make a 15 foot toy for my tour? And I was like, uh, yeah, like I had literally no idea, but I was just like, sure, whatever you want, make your dreams come true. So that was just like literally, you know, putting yourself out there. But um, I think the real like honest answer about everybody else is that I found a website called bookingagentinfo.com and it was $120 for a year that I paid for. And I would go in and type celebrities emails and I would literally put on BCC every single one of the emails that I found associated with those celebrities from their agents, their managers, their publicists, anything. And uh, like, I think the first time this was during like at the very start of COVID too, like like March, 2020. And so a lot of people were like, I think getting inundated, whatever, but every time, excuse me, super plastic had like a new announcement or a development or something, I would then like reheat those emails. And I think like what I started to do is the people that I really wanted to work with, I would create content for the characters for Janky and Googiemon that was like reflective of, or somehow a nod to those celebrities. And then like every once in a while I would get like a response that would just be like plus another person's email. And then I would start a whole new thread with that person, CC the person that wrote that be like, so-and-so referred me to you. Like there wasn't a real referral, but like, I just was literally cold pitching and I timed it out always to be like, all right, how do I just like get their attention? Like the squeaky wheel gets oil. This is literally how I got my first job when I was 15 years old, washing dishes at a deli in a gas station in Vermont two weeks before my 15th birthday, because that's the legal age to work in in Vermont. I went like two weeks before my 15th birthday. I went in there every single day and just hung out in there and was like, you guys hiring? They were like, no, no, no. Finally, like literally on my birthday, I was like, I've been coming in here every single day for two weeks. And I was like, I'm going back there and I'm doing dishes today. And they were like, all right, whatever. And like, that's how I got that job. Like that's- do you think that timing is big when you make these pitches or do you think it's just an effort or do you think the timing, thinking about the timing matters? I think timing is definitely important. I think knowing um, like what value, like what your value add to them is and like what will speak to them. Like you have to do your research. Like I never used like a blanket pitch email ever. Like I always made it very specific to them. Like I always tried to include something like never too many links, like something that was catchy and captivating, but like you have to make these things like personal because that's, what's going to like make you stand out. And then timing is really key. Like sometimes I, I would go on on like a Sunday night and like send something so that it was at like the top of their inbox on Monday morning. Like, especially if when it came to like 
or timing it out right for like east coast west coast like always trying to do something like to make it feel more strategic like you know you're you're always playing chess in a way like you have to kind of anticipate where people are going and you know if a lot of times i think i made mistakes where i'd be like oh i'm gonna like this person just had a huge announcement for a brand collab like i'm gonna hit them up now and ask but then i started to realize like oh they just had a huge announcement like they're probably running media running press like making shit happen like i'm not gonna do this right now like it would always be like okay, this now sold out. Here's like three days later, congrats, whatever, let's do something. And sometimes, honestly, like I remember there were nights where myself and Noah Lamanic, who is, will definitely be the best toy designer, like the next best toy designer in the world. He's the lead toy designer at Super Plastic now, one of my best friends. We used to stay at the office on Friday nights and sometimes all the way into Saturday morning and design toys for these celebrities the way that we thought they would want their toy to look. And like, even though they were just like, you know, an AI file or whatever, like we would literally like send them these designs and be like, we've, we, we made this for you just to try to get their attention, just to do whatever we could. And like those types of like putting in that work and like, did it work out? Did it work out? I mean, we had a couple of people that hit us back or like at least share posts, like at least do something like I'll never forget when like I did that kind of, but with using the superplastic characters for Waka Flocka, just like for no reason. And he literally DM'd me right away and like sent me his phone number and was like, called me. And I just like, <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Like, crazy. And now like, I'm like Waka will hit me up and be like, Parson, like, you want to come to this clubhouse? Like, what are you doing? Did you see this? Did you see, like- He's into NFTs. Yeah, yeah, he is. He, um, I was talking to him a couple months ago about like helping with launching his platform, actually, like consulting with them, but he's super nice. But it was so funny, like that type of shit. You're kind of like, wait, how is Yeah, that's like, that's like dream type shit. It's crazy, but it works. You know, you just have to like, I think my, the lessons that like I was always taught in my life was like from my, my dad was that, you know, the worst that can happen is somebody says no. Like, it's not like they can take away your birthday. Like, it's mm -hmm. not like they can like, you know, nobody has to know if somebody says no to you. Like, well, you're the only one that has to live with that rejection. Like, get over it. Like, yeah, whatever. And, and no could just mean like, you know, like, at least that's an answer. Like, being ignored is, you know, you're always going to wonder. But like, at least if you get that no, you're like, all right, cool. I'll move on. Move I'll on. My yes. Out. You were right where uh, you said you were talking about you were done with Steve Aoki. And you, you were about to get into the quitting story. Yeah. Okay. So um, last summer I had a call with Nifty Gateway and I kind of just like got what they were talking about, even though like I didn't actually get it. I was like, okay, we're already like building this animated universe, like releasing content on what is actually a centralized platform. All toys start out as 3D renders before they go to production. This makes sense. Like at that time, we were so busy though that we kind of kept pushing that drop down the line. And it ended up being really like incredible timing because Super Plastic had their first drop on February 16th of 2021. And I remember like being kind of getting introduced to Clubhouse through somebody else. And I thought it was a huge mess. And, um, I saw this room about NFTs and I was like, oh yeah, like I have an NFT drop that like I got to start thinking about the marketing for. And I went into these rooms and I started having these conversations and I got it more and more. And it's like, everything's full circle, like came back to, 
you know, thinking about like women's and gender studies and mass media communication. And I was like, this like really could revolutionize and like actually skip over. It's like skipping rocks, right? Like all these things that I've been passionate about and like wanting to build, like, and, like getting people to understand that like animated celebrities are like legitimate celebrities, getting people to understand that like, you know, feminism is not like this divisive kind of movement. Like it's just about like, like it's just about self-sovereignty for everybody and I became so obsessed and like obviously people talk about community a lot but like I loved it and you know from Vermont again like not a lot of people that I can talk to and like nerd out on like this shit with and I we had our job and it was amazing like blew my mind not a single person that collected like the first super plastic nft drop were to existing toy fans but like we were reaching like and i was like this is like what my job really is like reaching these new audiences and i wanted to just like be more like i wanted to be a part of it all day every day and i had obviously these other job responsibilities to do and i woke up one saturday morning and i had this like voice in my head that was like you should quit your job and all weekend long it just got louder and louder and I walked in Monday morning and I went well, straight can I ask, into What was the reasoning? Just random, just an intuition? I think like for one, you know, I, like I said before, like I had these goals, like when I started working at Superplastic, like, you know, the gaming partnership, the fashion partnership, um, you know, these amazing toy collabs. And I, I think because I had, I got to Superplastic so early, like, and I think I'm at fault for a lot of, like a lot of things. Like I think I started to, lose a bit of control and get a little bit like ahead of myself and, and thinking about like, all right, well, you know, because at first when I started working there, they basically said yes to every idea that I hadn't wanted to do. And then as the team got bigger and as like our priorities started to shift and we, we fell into like Superplastic was starting to lean into like what was working, you know, all these like new ideas that I had, they were, you know, they, I feel like I was challenged a lot more to like kind of show, like demonstrate how this would push, the business forward and how this was the use of like time and money. And like, we talk about budget and all this stuff. And, and I think that was really hard for me because again, like super plastic was my first job, like professionalism, <laughs> like not very, but it, was, it, but it like, was great. Wouldn't you say it was also, uh, yes, it was your first job, but it was really, really great experience that I don't think many people oh my get their God. first jobs. Oh my God. No, a lot of experience that people wouldn't get in a lifetime. And like, I think the defining thing for me was like, I didn't want to always wonder what I could have done. And, you know, I probably could have worked at Superplastic for 10 years or until the fucking wheels fell off or until it was sold to Disney or whatever. And I would have reflected and been like, wow, like I'm so lucky that I got to do that and build that. And they would have let me be part of it forever. And like, I still am like, they're still family to me. And, but like, I don't, I didn't ever want to look back and be like, did I just kind of like curate and build myself within super plastic? Like, are people going to care about me if I don't work there anymore? Like, do people love me or do they love that I'm a part of this brand? And like, I really built my identity into it. Like before, like my entire feed was super plastic. Like everything I posted all day long, like everything I fucking wore was super plastic. Like it was these, so I'm looking at this right now. Are these like NFTs? So those on the website, those are the toys. Like those are the physical toys, but 
they all, you know, I, like how they just did their last, like the Janky Heist was like a generative kind of collectibles project where they had all these traits and ratios and you could spin to kind of make it like make your own kind of toy that would just exist as an NFT. So like, as you can see, like just by looking at the photos of the toys, the renders online, like they obviously make for incredible like digital collectibles, like just it's unreal. And then like the characters themselves also have story and narrative is obviously huge in NF like with NFTs and crypto art, like everybody loves that. So we were already doing all that stuff. It just made so much sense to kind of bring it into, you know, this decentral, like decentralized digital universe. And for me, like that's where I only wanted to be. Like everything else that I was doing was becoming like increasingly more difficult for me. I was like, yeah, I was like, what the fuck? Like we have to do like it just I was like there the future should be like decentralized. Like you know, we have all these millions of followers. Like I took super plastic from 30,000 followers to 6 million. But I was like, what does that mean? Like, you know, when you have, like, when you have collectors, if I had 6 million collectors, like I would know differently what that meant. If you had 6 million people in a DAO, like I understood what that meant. Like I didn't understand anymore what it meant to like have this massive audience. And it was just a challenge for me. So quit my job sold everything I owned 10 days later, one way plane ticket to LA, like $800 in my bank account. I had met like these incredible people that was basically as soon as I started telling people, and this was part of my fear of like, if I tell people I quit, will they be like, okay, who the fuck are you then? Like, did they only want to be part of like my network and circle because of super plastic? And it was like pretty much quite the opposite. Like even people that I worked with at super plastic, when I sent like my farewell email, like I'm moving on, immediately they were like, what are you doing next? What are you doing next? And I just didn't really want to take another job. I was like, I want to consult. I want to like scale. I don't want to be exclusive to anybody. Like I want to help as many people as I can because I really understand how to build brand and how to build community. And I think about marketing and strategy from like this place of being like a good guy, like let it, like not like when you start with like good intentions of wanting like you know, just to, to increase like brand value and recognition and awareness and have a real impact, like, and want to build brands like product and sales and revenue, like that comes, but like you, if you do it, a lot of people like reverse, like they, they are, they're moving their marketing strategies and they're implementing these marketing and brand strategies because they have sales goals to hit. And like, I, I didn't want to have to like deal with that or lean into that. Like I wanted to just help people from a place of like, like earnest like intention and like desire to build a community so I felt like you know that wasn't something that I could do if I was locked into a full-time job well what they don't tell you about consulting is that like as a creative person who like really feels like my ideas are my children and like seeing them come to life like when you consult for people it's really all just a suggestion like you're having a call with them maybe once or twice a week you're like bouncing off ideas you're telling them exactly what they should do. And like, if they that team doesn't have like the bandwidth to support that or implement that, like, you know, you can't really do anything about it. And that was really exhausting for me and like really draining because I love to see my shit, like my ideas come to life. And I had this drop that I did with some of my partners, people that I still work with that I was originally consultant for and then kind of started this little like micro creative marketing, like crypto media agency with Marty and Jazz Kulner. 
And I did this drop called Who Shot Andy Warhol. And a video that I had created got the attention of 888. And we started DMing and he was like, what are your, like, what are you doing in this space? Like, what's your background? Where do you come from? And like, I told him like my whole story. And I was like, I I think that everything can be NFTs. I think this is the future. This is like the convergence of everything I love of like pop culture and like feminism and, and like smashing the patriarchy and self-sovereignty and like just fucking liberation. And he was like, okay, let's get on a call. And he told me about 888, the new worlds. And I was like, this is like the dream. Like it was still such a, um, a vision that like needed somebody to kind of continue to come in and like build with him. And I was like, I want to be that person. And, you know, I, I told him, I was like, I don't, I don't want to, I didn't want to have another full-time job because I don't want to be thinking about like me advancing in my career and climbing the corporate ladder and blah, blah, blah. Like I want to just lift people up and like pull them up behind me. Like I want to be like in a position where I'm not worried about, you know, getting that next promotion or like that job title or whatever. And he was like, well, what does that look like for you? And we came up with this position, chief experience officer, where he was like, all you have to worry about is like building, like your, your mandate is just like build this community, like build the, the experience and embody the experience of 888, the new world and help me like build this platform. And that's what we've been doing. And it's been like fucking epic. <laughs> So that's exactly what I, I personally noticed as well is there's no doper trailer that you see on Twitter that gets you excited. <laughs> so I wanted to, that was all him and David. Are you? Like, yeah, I actually so wanted cool. to, to get into this. So like, what is that trailer? What is for my audience? What is 888 the new world? Okay. So um, the trailer is really just like, it's a promo. It's a vision. It's like supposed to inspire and ignite and excite you. Um, but what 888 The New World is at its core, it's a um, it's an NFT marketplace and platform. Um, it is the first platform that is founded and built by artists and the architects of, of the digital future. So everybody that you see on the website as like the builders and believers, like those are the investors in the company. Um, there's been no like fundraising through tech or venture capital, no DeFi money, like it's all very grassroots. Like the people who are really like driving this um, are the people that are the, driving this whole movement are now the people that are building it the new world. Um, and it's more than that though. I feel like, you know, I, I take a lot of inspiration. Like if you follow me, then you know that like, I'm like, I'm obsessed with the hundreds. I love Bobby. He's like become like a complete bestie to me ever since I moved to LA, like taken such good care of me, help keep me on the right path, keep my head on straight. Like what the hundreds did and like how, like their history is that like they built community and they drove culture around streetwear, which like permitted them and gave them like authority to also make some of the dopest apparel and, and product in like the game. And for me, like, that's what I would want to build. Like first and foremost, like a community, a home, like a gathering place, a platform. And then from there, like, you know, hopefully everybody gets amazing sales and finds collectors. But, you know, I thought, I think one of the things I told 888, like in our initial call, which I was like, oh, should I have said that? Was that, you know, in my experiences, like while I've been consulting and while I was at Superplastic and other places, not to name names, like it felt a, a, a little bit like a, um, 
like a like a bad hinge date <laughs> or like a one night stands like you know they make you feel fucking awesome and they're there the who whole is this time again? you're getting who what who who made i'm you not feel... i'm not naming names but oh. like other platforms okay, okay, okay. <laughs> like when you have drops and when you're coming on you're like okay like to and then you know you have your drop and your auction closes and then they're like on to the next one and you know i I, I always like felt really sad about that because I'm somebody that likes to make like real relationships. And the fact that like 888 The New World has these different zones. So you have the Genesis zone, the innovation zone, the main zone and the job zone. If you've never like, depending on your level of experience, whether you've never minced anything before, or you're somebody like, you know, thank you X or, um, you know, fucking pack like there is a spot for you. And then there's a clear path for you to travel. So like when you sell that Genesis piece, like you're celebrated. And then when you, you know, you get to be, you can be moved through the innovation zone by your community. So it's inspiring people to connect with each other and to engage with the larger community. And like, there's going to be so many initiatives and like so much stuff that happens on a daily, weekly, monthly basis that like, brings people together for these like developments and announcements and you know celebrations like I want to create a real community so I I think this is cool because as I'm reading it it seems like I get what you're saying now like so when an artist drops as you said the the platform is more more focused on generating revenue so they're trying to fill it with like volume and as many as they can yeah whereas you guys dedicate an entire day to an artist drop and you have four zones that you move them through to actually help their brand. And yeah. I, th- I think that's really cool because that's the one thing I noticed about 888 The New World is everybody I've talked to about this said, this is like one of the truest platforms in the crypto space that um, tailors to artists like genuinely. And you see that in Crypto 888's yeah. Twitter. So I was going to ask yeah. you, where exactly is this platform? How can I go buy a, a piece of art on this platform? How does that work? So we haven't launched yet. Um, what you see online right now is like our micro site, um, just kind of a splash page just to get people excited. We just announced last week, actually, that we've partnered with Gala Games, who, you you know, they're amazing. And they're just like blockchain and gaming veterans. And the partnership with Gala is amazing, because we'll actually have the first, you know, we'll be the first platform that is both digital art and in game, like assets and as sold as NFTs. So you know, you can actually like build like galas building economies and their games. And then somebody can go and they can, you know, list their their in-game asset on 88 the new world for sale and then actually use that kind of you know money or that sale to then buy like a fucking POC NFT. Like and and like you're like you're looking at like we're creating this like cycle because we want to bring these communities together. So outside of like the the gaming kind of uh, platform that we'll have and the art platform that we'll have, Gala is also our like operability and tech partner. So they're building our marketplace, which is incredible because they're geniuses and they've done this before and they have like real credibility. And so right now we're building uh, the first thing that will happen will be um, we will have this artist uh, portal open up so artists can apply to the platform. We have um, 10 curators, like as main like directors of curation. So it's the most robust curation team like in the industry, like market right now. Um, And we'll be approving people on like a rolling basis. 
you know, there's also opportunities for people to kind of go into like, maybe they're not ready right away, but they can get feedback from other curators, they can join into art critiques, conversations, workshops, that will help kind of boost them um, in the platform, and they can basically get moved through in another way. And then, um, so once those two kind of portals for curation and applications are open, we'll, you know, populate the platform, we'll get people approved, we'll get people onboarded, and then we'll be up and running. And we're going to have a, our first drop is locked in. Um, the artists are locked in and it's going to be like absolutely fucking insane. So it's crazy because we were like, when 888 and I started talking, like he showed me that video and, you know, he had a couple pieces in place, but like, we had so much to do and we were like, there's so much to do. And every day we just wake up and like cross shit off the list. Like it's unbelievable. Like the, the amount of work that can get done in such a, like what feels like a short amount of time. Like we're so excited about this. So I, I actually want to um, uh, touch on that because he, Mr. Crypto 888 is many people that come in the space. He's one of the most mysterious yet well-known figures in the space. And many yeah. people say he's the best art collector in the space. One of them, at least. How is it, if you could just really quickly go over that relationship, how is it having that relationship with someone like Crypto888? And I know you can't really go in detail about him, but like, yeah. I, like what, how does it, how, how has it impacted your life personally? I mean, it's amazing. Like we're super similar. Like we're both like very laid back. Like he is the way that he like tweets and like talks on his Twitter. Like that's like, that's actually like his stream of consciousness. Like that's, how he really like speaks on the phone and speaks in text. Like it's very kind and lighthearted and down to earth. And like, I've never felt a sense of like, you know, of um, contention or like anger or frustration. Like it, it's so nice. It's such a relief because I'm somebody that gets like, we talked about when my fucking internet went out, like I get really impatient. I can no, be really too. That's why when my... you said that, I was just, I was thinking to myself when you said that, I was just like, is there a human being that could do that to me? Like, say that to me. Right? <laughs> and on. I get like really down. I think I get like really down on my, like, I'm really hard on myself. Like, I really strive to be like awesome. And, Facts. you know, that takes a toll on me. And he's like very, very like kind and kind of like, you know, it's really um, awesome and like a little bit healing. Like when you have, when you're like partnered up with somebody like that in your life that you're working on such a big project for, but because I think for us, we're always coming back to this, like, it feels like we're the only two people because we are kind of the only two people that really know what we're doing and like that really get like what we're building and how like fucking massive and epic this is. And, you know, how it's changed my life is that because of the anonymity, I think I said that right, you know, which is just kind of like was kind of accidental for him. Like, it's like kind of like he had this Twitter that he like just used to kind of check out like crypto stuff and then, you, you know, big. started talking in discords and people wanted him to post. And like, there was never this like, you know, strategic um, kind of decision to be anonymous. But now it's just like, it's fun. And also, I think it's important because people like it, it feels more um, like there's, there's, I think like a lightness and like, uh, like authenticity and genuineness to being um, anonymous in a way like you kind of somehow. And I experienced this when I worked at super plastic too, like with our animated characters, like people didn't bully 
animated characters. It was so weird. Like people didn't cyber bully. Like it's almost like when you can tell that there's a human behind something, you're like meaner. Like you're, you become like mean spirited. And like, there's, so that's removed and how it's changed my life is that like, because of his anonymity, like he wants, I, he wants me to be public and he wants me to be able to do these things. And that is like, so that means a lot to me because I've always wanted to just talk to people all day and like create these like public content pieces and opinions and, and learn and put myself out there so that I can be, you know, dragged or schooled or celebrated or whatever, because it helps me grow. And I think, you know, I've always told people like, I'm just a mirror for all of you. And like, there's a lot of risk and like, then like associated like courage with, you know, coming out and, and talking about something that's still so new and like in a lot of ways so complex and there's still so many question marks and it's still dangerous. Like look at what's happened this week. Like there's been hacks and scams. Like it's scary and to put yourself out there like that is scary as well. But because they also target like you really, because all these yeah. hackers will go after you now. Yeah, and but it's really rewarding. And to me, like to have somebody have that amount of faith and confidence in me to be like, no, go out and speak about, you know, my company that I've founded and this, this platform that we're building and, you know, represent us. Like that's an amazing feeling. And like, it, it makes me feel like very, like I have a lot of self-worth and a lot of value. And like, I deserve to be here because somebody else is like co-signed this for me. So that's, that's honestly something that I think that I don't know. I'm kind of stuck in a, in the middle of like, this show is starting to gain traction, but I also, you know, um, I would like to, I'm also at a learning phase of my life where I know I need to work under someone. Well, I think I do. Mm-hmm. I don't know that. So I kind of agree. I kind of can relate with you there. I want to go on and really go more in detail, a little bit more about your Go Gala Games partnership, because yeah. uh, I saw that this morning and I was very interested in it. And the way you explained it, it seems like this, this, and again, I know you guys don't have any competition. I'm not going to say assume anything, but from my perspective, OpenSea is the only platform that allows that. So this would instantly propel you guys to another tier. I feel like the, there may be yeah. other in-game utilities, but not the way you described it um, and not the way it's being built like that. So if you could please go into detail a little bit more, what is that that partnership entail? Yeah. So um, the way that we were connected, I mean, there's so much like synergy between, and I hate saying that, it's like such a marketing buzzword, but <laughs> there's so much synergy between just like what, gala it, it feels and believes um like a like these decentralized in-game economies can do for like the real world and compared to like what we feel and see that you know this these decentralized economies that are built within art and creativity can do for you know society and like our living human experiences and when we started talking to them it was really like we kind of just were having like these discovery conversations and really like nerding out on like, this is what we can do and whatever. And, you know, I feel like, you know, I, I learned a lot when I worked at Crucible because um, I, I consulted for Crucible for a little while with Ryan Gill and, and Crucible is like basically building the blueprints for the open metaverse. And I started to understand more about um, how, you know, we can like how gaming and like these play to earn models can really like change people's lives. And, and I felt that like, you know, Ryan taught me the future of the internet and the future of web three is being built by game developers and 
that sat with me and that struck me so like personally that I was like, wow, this is fucking amazing. And I've always said like the digital renaissance is being led by artists. So we come together on these two like core concepts of like that are now created my identity and Gala was building this like art platform, Gala Art. And, you know, we were already thinking about how to build this gaming platform because 888 really feels that art is so much more than just like these visual experiences of like creativity, that it's games, it's like, you know, in-game experiences, it's music, it's, you know, community building and like gaming has such a crazy community and art has such a crazy community and like they're so vibrant. And Gala, we were basically like, how are we going to like kind of infiltrate or like activate in each other's communities? And we were like, well, why don't we just fucking bring them together? And it was like, like fireworks explosion, like, you know, fucking Celine Dion song, like magic happened in the moment. And that's how they became like our tech and operability partner. So they are, like I mentioned, you know, really going to, build our platform from the back end. Um, the design is being, was led by uh, G Monk and Michael Cena, um, which they're both so incredible, like so beautiful. So what you see right now on 888tnw.com is like not even close, like not even fucking close to like what this looks like. And um, they're going to be building at the back end and they're really helping us. And it's like all of a sudden our, our team went from two people to like 200 because we have access to all of them and they're so smart and creative and fun and easy to get along with. And then, you know, what it means too is that our artists and artists on our platform will be able to create in-game assets with real utility to bring into galas, um, you know, games and their titles and little in their universes too. So it's like really such an, it's, it's the opportunity for collaboration and kind of expansion into a new sector, a new industry, you know, engage new community members and fans and audience members and collectors is just like completely, it's like impossible to wrap our heads around how big it could really be. And as I'm like looking at your guys, like the people who believe in this platform and are owning and operating it, like three allow, I'm interviewing RTFKT studios next week. I have an interview coming out with them supposedly uh, Paris Hilton, G monk, as you said, yeah. Folk render Fawocious, like, these, this is like a superstar lineup of people that believes in this platform. Yeah. This is, I don't think people like this all together would just get together and believe in something like this as a coincidence. I wanted to say, do you, cause we're kind of, you and I kind of share a similar belief and I've never really had a guest that is, is like full on uh, believes in it as much as you, but do you believe that the metaverse will be like eight hours of our day, instead of getting in our cars to go to work, we're going to just go in our VR set, put our headset and get play a game to earn money. Whereas robots will do work. People call me crazy, but I genuinely <laughs> believe in that. I genuinely believe in that. Yeah. I think eight hours of our day already is the metaverse. I mean, look at how we're talking to each other right now. Like yes. I think Thank you. 2020 started the metaverse really. Yes. Like I feel that, um, you know, I don't necessarily know that we'll have everybody will be playing like, I think we're already in like a video game simulation, basically, for the most part, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. I, I've always been obsessed, like when I lived in Vermont, like winters were like for Sims, like I would work a 60 hour work week, get home at like eight o'clock, seven o'clock on Friday night, open up my fucking computer and sit there until six in the morning. 
to play my sim and make her get her promotions at work and build her house and, you know, fucking lock her like neighbors in the pool without a ladder and like do some crazy shit. Like that was my life. Like there's so much like there, there's this core to life that's like play, you know, that we have to be playing. And I think that's where kind of where this bridge comes in for built for like building, you know, building economies in game on the blockchain is that you now get to play like you know people that adage people always said like do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life like you know do what you're like have fun while you work and you'll never work a day in your life like play every day and you'll never work a day in your life like that's what life is not supposed to be so fucking serious like it's supposed to be fun. And like, I love seeing, I love telling people about how I quit my job. And like, every time I see a new tweet on my timeline, it's like, think I might quit my job or like, I quit my job today to go full time. It's like, I just want to like hug those people. Cause I'm like, you have, I know how fucking terrifying it is. And I also like know how much my life has changed. Cause sometimes you just have to fucking walk off that cliff i will say and- one more thing sorry to interrupt you uh-huh. just uh, before i forget this i also will go ahead and say that i think 888 the new world will by fault miles surpass super plastic no disrespect i know you love both companies but i also i just believe in these people and what you just said earlier in the show that everything needs to be decentralized if they're not on that vision if any company not them specifically isn't on that vision now they're gonna fall behind yeah. platforms like these sorry <sighs> I, I mean, I think like, I agree when you say that like people like companies and people that are not getting behind like decentralization are certainly going to be behind, but it's also like, we're still so early that I yeah. think they have a chance. And like, what, you know, is awesome about super plastic is that like Paul Budnitz has always been like a, a culture driver, like, you know, really kid robot, which was his company that he founded in the early 2000s, like really is due a lot of credit for bringing collectible toys to like hype culture and streetwear and and mainstream kind of pop culture. And I think because I was able to learn those models from him and because I'm such a, I think like in a past life, I must've been an architect because I think of everything like a blueprint, like because of that. (laughs) Yeah, always. (laughs) I think that, you know, because of working so closely with him and being able to like, share those kind of experiences and have him walk me through that life that he lived. Like I see blueprints and like, I'm able to think about crypto culture and like what brings people together. And like, you know, him telling me about the lines around the block in New York and it from the kid robot store. And then the biggest mistake they ever made was moving to a larger space. Like, like just the kind of, you know, psychology of keeping things small and tight and exclusive and like what you have to do in order to like, kind of, like introduce people or move people through a bigger space, like whether that's physical or metaphysical or whatever it is, like, you know, super plastic is always going to be like trailblazing in my mind. It's just crazy to me that I had, you know, I feel like I had a small window where I was trying to convince people that like animated celebrities were like the next big thing. And we just like, like it was like so fast now that I'm like, oh no, now people are like flipping PNGs and JPEGs and shit. Like it's like, we don't, people like that shit is crazy to me, but it's always going to be like, that's always going to be relevant and it's always going to be a cool story. And what they're doing is always going to be an innovative and creative because that's how Paul is. But 
I definitely think like they're like the fact that we were so early, Superplastic was so early and so kind of engaged to get into the community and get into the space, you know, at the time that they did is like, you know, always going to be like, like a stamp in the history book, which is sick. And now it's super just for me. Yeah. And I think for me, it's like, that was one of many of Paul's stamps. And for me, that was kind of like the first of mine. And now I'm like, what more can I do to keep putting my I stamp I see what in? you mean. That's like, a, so if you were a UFC fighter, that was your first belt, your first UFC belt. Yeah. Like now you're looking yeah. for another belt. Okay, I get it now. Yeah. So I, I wanted to say this, like why you mentioned earlier that we're already in the metaverse. And I want to touch on that real quick. Sorry if I'm taking up your time, by the way. No, you're good. But I think I we have gonna... like, we can do like 20 more minutes, 50 more you. minutes. So do you believe when you said that we're already in the metaverse? So can you explain that concept to my audience real quick? Like YouTube, these screens, we're talking to each other through this microphone. What do you consider the current metaverse? If like Ready Player One's 10 years from now. Yeah. So metaverse, you know, there's two definitions. There's a functional definition of a metaverse, which is a 3D, you know, environment, gathering place, whatever. Um, And then there is like this empathetic definition of the metaverse, which is like, this convening um, environment where we're inspiring like deeper social connection and interaction and community building. Um, that those like two definitions, I think have to be like put in their own containers sometimes. Be- and it's almost like a Venn diagram, right? Like there are certainly places where that intersects like in VR, you know, in Fortnite and whatever, but then there also are opportunities and experiences that exist in their own little sides of that circle. And I feel that, you know, millennials especially are millennials actually only and then Gen Z, like millennials are the only like group that actually existed for a time in their lives without a digital identity, like a small for some of us, a smaller window than others. But, you know, I was like 11 years old when I got um, an AIM screen name. And when I got a digital bank account, like I got mobile banking and I was 18 when I got my, when I, I was 18. Yeah. I was like saving up. (laughs) I was eight. (laughs) I was 18 when I got an iPhone, but like I was 15 when I got a MySpace. like we've all like, but there was a time in my life where I had no digital identity. I had a, I had a social security card and the non-driver ID. Like, and that was, those were two things that like, that represented my identity. You know, now I think ever since that age of like, for me, it was getting an AIM screen name. That's that was the start of my digital identity. Now, you know, you've got like, like I have a little sister. She's going to be 19 in October. You know, she I was like I was posting her on like my, you know, social pages when she was like a toddler, like pictures of her. Like she has been she has had a digital identity since essentially like basically the moment she was born and there is like the digital identity is like the core of the metaverse because without our digital identities there'd be no reason to go to to exist within the metaverse i feel so now like where i think about that venn diagram experience and like that middle you know oval is that we've kind of just been really like absent-minded or like it's maybe ignorance is bliss about the fact like our digital identities are in the hands of corporations you know like we just we use our face id to get into our phone to check our mobile banking we put our whole lives 
and, you know, private conversations in iMessage and, and Snapchat and Instagram DMs and all this shit. And like, you know, you can take my, you could take an AI could take my Twitter and recreate me and like literally take all and in, in send out tweets and have conversations and send DMs people in my voice. Like AI can do that. Like machine learning and NLP can do that. Like we don't know really like how safe our digital identities are. And the, the answer is that like, they're not very, so I feel like what the metaverse is, especially when we're talking now about moving into this like decentralized experience of it, it, it it's like so that we can feel like 1% safer about our digital identities because there's no going back. We're never going to not have a digital identity. Yeah. It's just going to be more and more and more and more and more. And frankly, like I would love to have my driver's license, my VAX card and my birth certificate, my social security card, and all my shit in like protected by my digital keys in a wallet protected by a seed phrase where I can like literally access it and have all my shit. Like you don't know, like I know exactly where my high school diploma are, my college diploma, my birth certificate, my driver's license. Like when you have this mindset, you know, people that are, that are refugees or that come to other countries seeking asylum, like they don't have time to find their fucking birth certificates and their diplomas. And, and like, there's no record of the lives that they lived before they were, you know, lived before their countries became war torn and they have to start their lives over again. Like to think, to be so like, kind of to live in such a place of privilege to think like that could never happen to me as a US citizen is like fucking crazy. Like that's why I know where all my shit is because if I ever have to like seek asylum elsewhere, I want to have everything so that I don't, I can say like, look, I graduated high school. Look, I got like, I, I have a college diploma. Like I can do this stuff. Like people, I think don't think about kind of the implications, like the crossover of this. Like now I'm on a tangent, but like when That's we so think weird, about the, me <laughs> the, the metaverse can be about safety too. Like it can be about protecting your digital identity. Pearl loves that, by the way. She's like, preach this. <laughs> hey, hi, Pearl for me. I have one hi, question. I have, I have a couple, I'll, have, I'll leave you with two questions um, because I so agree with that. And I think that was, you said you were going on a tangent, but I don't think my generic, the generic members of my audience who are into crypto and NFTs just now for the money understand that this is really like a prelude to what you just said, the metaverse. And it's actually very depressing for me to think how early we are in human trajectory. Like I wish I was kind of born yeah. 400 years later, to be honest, it would be <laughs> way cooler. But I was going to ask you with everything you just said, do you see 888 the new world integrating within the metaverse and what if that video we're watching like do you think 20 30 years from now that could be like real life in the virtual world we could do that yeah i mean never say never like you have 888 is you know anonymous like basically like part of his identity is existing in a centralized metaverse of discord and twitter and you know zoom calls centralized yeah, yeah, like because because that those are centralized platforms. So why not, you know, have a decentralized world? Um, and you know, I, I think sometimes maybe people have heard me say that I really feel that 88 the new world can be the first real lifestyle brand of the decentralized digital future, you know, a decentralized brand where like you've got everything, like all of the core kind of values and excitement around like metaverse and crypto and decentralization meet like these core foundations of like hype culture and streetwear and community building and, you know, like marketing. And like, it's just so cool 
to like think about how those things are going to build up. Like there's going to be so many places that were like, there's so much inspiration from like life of like, like as we've lived it as humans, like the things that are crazy and cool around, like, let's recreate that in discord. Let's recreate that, you know, through our platform. Like, how do we make this happen? And like, that's where we're coming from. Like we're bringing a human experience and that's what chief experience officer is. It's a human experience into this platform. And then eventually like, of course, I'll want to take those experiences from discord to then the metaverse. And then, you know, having our avatars participate in these like parties and chats and, and auctions and like crazy shit. You know what I mean? Like, it's very, very cool. And I want to leave you with this last question. I asked all my guests this, uh, before you leave Miss Carson, you gave us a great, uh, history lesson, Thank a masterclass, um, after, <laughs> after a nice little 20 minute halftime performance. Uh, Sorry. Um, what, if you had to say for my audience, a goal a year from now for yourself, as well as for 888, the new world, what would those two goals be? I think, you know, my goal is that my goal for 88, the new world is that I'm not the only person that's calling 88, the new world, the first like decentralized lifestyle brand. I like that. Um, you know, I want, I think, and I literally tweeted the other day, I tweeted this and then I put, I think I put, um, I tweeted like at reminds me of this. Um, in one year. So we'll see what happens. Um, (laughs) And then, you know, my goal for myself always is to just like have grace and like be graceful. Like this is such a fast paced world and there's so much, um, you know, there's so much to do and there's so much that I want to do that. Like sometimes I get into this like chaotic energy where I just feel like I can't even start. (laughs) And like, that's just like, I think, you know, I've always said, like, if I could have any superpower, it would be supernatural grace. And just like being like, like, I feel like 888 is so graceful, like so much grace. Like, yeah, I agree with that. Like, like, that's that's the perfect way to describe it. (laughs) That's what I want. So um, that's kind of, yeah, those are the things too. And and I feel like I hope that I I know people are excited about this. And like, I know people are, anxious about it too and like i want to get 888 like we want to get 88 the new world launch like even more so than everybody else does and and it's crazy how fast it's coming together um but there's definitely still a lot of work to do and we're not going to let it like go live until it's perfect and then we're not going to even judge ourselves on the product in the platform that we launch we're going to judge ourselves on how quickly we can adapt and respond and make changes based on everybody else's experience and feedback because we truly want this to be like an artist's platform. And I think that right there was the selling point. I think that was the best well way you could probably describe your your this movement that you guys are creating because that yeah. shows to my audience, to me, that this is not a short-term game. This is not a just, oh, we want to compete. This is a long-term play, a genuine play and something yeah. that you guys hope to have an impact. So I'm not going to take up any more of your time. Thank you, Miss Carson. You. Yes, this was Amazing. a long interview. This might be my <laughs> longest or my second longest interview, but um, oh I'm going to edit this up. Um, I was going to post this next week, but I decided to post it today. Uh, so I'm going to oh, edit it up wow. and get it out later today. Today? Okay, amazing. I'm so excited. Thank you so much. It was so fun. I'm sorry about all the fucking drama. But no, no worries. I love um, it so much. If you ever need anything, reach out. And I probably will be at NFT NYC in November if yeah, I get to same. meet everybody. So definitely. I'll yeah, see you guys then. Wait. And if you ever need anything, reach out. Thank you, Miss Carson.
Thank you. Bye. Yes, ma'am.